G'day listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Keeper League podcast with the AFL Fantasy podcast that doesn't focus on the superstars and only focuses on the lesser knowns to get you uh, through in your Keeper Leagues. I'm joined by Kays tonight. How are you, mate? Good, Hef. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, nice, relaxing weekend. It was the first weekend, I reckon, in about a month where I didn't have either a wedding or a buck show or a first birthday party or something to go to. So, it was just great to put the feet up on the couch and just do nothing. So, you were sober? Uh, no, I had a few beers. Uh, those people who were on my Instagram would have noticed I was posting a few uh, few crafties that I was getting stuck into over the weekend. So, no, I had a few beers, but uh, yeah, nothing crazy. Just uh, yeah, a few around the house and uh, yeah. What about you? What'd you do? Uh, pretty quiet weekend for me, but uh, the highlight of my year so far, I met Alice Cooper today at work. Okay. Yes. Tell us more about that. How'd you uh, he's a mad keen golfer and I happened to work at a golf club in Adelaide. So, he popped up for a round and uh, got a little chat with the great man. So, yeah, he definitely supersedes the- other famous people I've met in my life. And uh, not a bad golfer by the sounds. He plays off five, so anyone who knows anything about golf, he At can... At the age of? 72. Five or 72. Hits a, hits a nice ball for an old guy, so... I can't even get under 20 at the moment. <laughs> oh, man. Like, don't even talk to me about my golf game. It's bad. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll get stuck into this week's podcast. So, uh, yeah, this week we're talking about Port Adelaide, and that's it. Uh, no, 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 we'll talk about a few more clubs as well. Uh, we got Richmond and St. Kilda in there as well. So, we'll get stuck into those in a sec, but first of all, we're going to talk about... Uh, sorry, we're going to go to our league spotlight. This week we've got uh, Cherto from Tasmania, a regular on the uh, social media. So let's hear about his keeper league this week. All right, I'm joined by Cherto from Tasmania, who's here to tell us about his keeper league. How are you, mate? Half good, mate. I'm good. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Uh, let's kick it off by uh, letting us know the name of your league and how long it's been running for. Yeah, I'll oh, first to say, uh, love love your boys' work, love the pod. Oh, thanks, mate. Um, uh, keep keep yeah. up the good work. Making me blush. Much, much appreciated. <laughs> um, <laughs> we've got a, a league called the Glorious Bastards, um, yeah. and it's it's been going for 13 years, uh, but it's been going for six of the Keeper League. The, the previous uh, seven years were um, just a regular AFL fantasy. Yeah, right. Uh, so, how's the Keeper League structured? So, how many teams, squad sizes, all that sort of stuff, keeper numbers? Yeah, we've got, uh, we've got 10 teams, squads of 31 with uh, five backs, eight mids, uh, one ruck, five forwards, four reserves, and um, eight eight bench spots. We keep, we keep 16 players. And then four players under fifty, so pretty big, pretty big retention. Yeah, so uh, deep lists. Uh, hopefully, the uh, podcast has been handy in finding a few of those gems down the bottom of the barrel there. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely, <laughs> it's, it's really like you know all the teams have got you know relatively similar sort of top line talent. Yep. But it's that it's that you know like an AFL list. It's the bottom. Yeah, it makes you know, a difference. Bottom. Yeah, that, that makes a difference, and it gets to be a real battle of attrition come <laughs> the end of the season too. With, Definitely. With injuries and everything too. Definitely. Um, so what about uh, in terms of uh, premiership cups and things like that? Uh, what do you guys play for? Yeah, we we, uh, we play for a cup, which uh, I've actually got sitting up here on the mantelpiece at home. Ah, so you won um, it last year? Won it last year. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you, mate. And went through uh, a undefeated season. Wow. And to all the way to the flag, um, which was, yeah, and I'm, I'm sort of the boys in the league love to I'm the commissioner as well. They absolutely <laughs> hate me. I call myself the people's champ, which yep. is the total opposite from the from the truth. But yeah, we we put in one fifty cash um, each 
each year and then winner gets uh, 900, yeah, nice. 300 for runners up and then the two prelims get their entry feedback. Yeah, nice. Uh, let's go back to the uh, Premiership Cup. Uh, how often do you rub it into your teammates that, you're, uh, that you've won the thing? Do you send them a selfie weekly with it or what do you do? Oh, not, not, not as fresh as it was uh, when it was fresh last year, but yep. definitely uh, definitely they do get a bit of reminding. I've definitely drunk some um, some beer from the from the Victoria Victory Chalice too, so that's, <laughs> it's been good. Well, you might not own it for long, mate, uh, from experience. So make the most of it and uh, make sure you rub it in as much as you can. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about the other end of the spectrum? Any punishments for your wooden spooners or anything else uh, that goes on there? Yeah, well, actually listening to the pod last year, we we introduced some punishments nice. uh, for, for the bottom, um, for, for the wooden spooner. And the bloke who ended up winning it, well, losing, whatever you want to call it, he's uh, a politician down here, so couldn't actually do any of the punishments. So <laughs> that, there was that, the loser can choose from, um, there was three or four things. One was getting blonde tips and updating your pro- Facebook profile, yep. uh, dressing in as a woman with a, a honk, if I suck a fantasy sign on a, on a busy <laughs> intersection down here yep. and a couple of others. So we're actually going through a bit of a process on rolling the – because we had a few rules sort of get exploited last year. Okay. Um, so we're writing a – I'm writing a constitution with all the rules. Um, yep. We had a thing where some coaches started doing like a, a three-week loan, oh. sort of, you know, like a EPL sort of style thing, oh. um, which, you know, was um, it was a new coach in the league and that hadn't been really brought up before, so we, we let it go through and then – uh, the other one's streaming because we have lockout on a Saturday, like first game of the Saturday, so you can you can stream, you know, Thursday, Friday yep. night players. Um, yep. And the coach is really on the ball. You know, just really working the wire. So we're we're looking at having a um, a thirty uh, waiver wire transaction limit. Yeah, yeah, right. The uh, three week loan that sounds like a bit of a disgrace. That would uh, never happen under my watch. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm only kidding, uh, mate. That's actually happened multiple times in our league. We brought in the same uh, the same rule this year, so I'm just uh, yeah giving shit to my league mates. Don't you worry. Yeah, no, we, we, I think we, we're going to do it, so it's going to be a four week minimum yep. sort of thing. Um, Good and plan. To, yeah. Yep. All right. Um, what about uh, any other funny quirks or stories? Uh, Want to hang shit on anyone in your league or anything oh, else? Definitely. Like I've uh, pulled off one of the mate like bullshit trades last year to uh, the Chubbs dogs, Dave Welsh. And he proposed the trade to me, uh, Sean Higgins and Harry Cunningham. This is probably round five or six for Tom Mitchell, who I uh, (laughs) gladly accepted and have stashed him and added to the to the, uh, the the midfield arsenal of the black balls, but um, yeah, yeah, mate, you so might not have to worry about uh, losing that cup this year on the back of that trade. Uh, That might win itself just then in that trade there. Oh, it's huge! But um, <laughs> no, nah, we we like I was I was absolutely froth on fantasy, and so do all the boys. And just for the banter that yep. it brings in, uh, you know, keeps you keeps you gives you something to talk about with some mates who you might drift apart with or whatever. Um, absolutely. Just a banter, nothing like being hung over on a Sunday, just <laughs> just riding the fantasy game home. It's uh, it's gold. Absolutely, feet up on the couch, the laptop in the other end, and uh, maybe another beer just to uh, keep it uh, hangover away. Cut I reckon. Edge off, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Keeper League this week, and uh, yeah, thanks for being a regular uh, contributor on the socials too. Uh, we appreciate the support, and uh, yeah, thanks for coming on.
Yeah, thank, thanks, and yeah, keep up the good work, boys. No worries, mate. We'll try. Legends. All right, take it easy, mate. See ya. Cheers. Thanks for that one, Cherto. Thanks for joining us this week and uh, telling us about your league. Interesting to hear about those uh, rule changes, Kays. Uh, there's always a few cheats out there, isn't there, that you've got to, uh, that you've <laughs> well, got to change the rules for? I know it's the start of the season, so we might do some trades now. I'd like to trade Cherto into our league and you out because <laughs> you are a massive culprit for the, uh, you know, one-week loan cheat gentleman's agreement. I'm not, I'm not the re- never on the receiving end of those, though. Yeah, my, my, philosophy, just my philosophy is that karma, if ever I need a favour, I'll, you know, get it back or something yeah. like that. So, um, Juggies need a fix from somewhere and you're giving it to them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're the dealer. <laughs> I'm more than happy to get rid of it, though. I just, I find it really hard to say when a mate approaches you with the, the big brown oh, puppy dog eyes that you've you got are, to, <laughs> you I've got are, to help him out. Mate, I'm just a good bloke, mate. You're a dick, mate. You're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the analysis. And first up, we got Port Adelaide. All right, first up this week, we're talking about Port Adelaide, uh, the club that doesn't get enough airtime on this podcast, I don't think. Uh, we don't talk about them enough on here, Case. so uh, time to uh, actually finally uh, knuckle down and look at the uh, best football club in the country. Now, I have to have a, ask a question to you. So, um, you know, we saw West Coast re-record their theme song last week. Yep. Will Port have to do it? Because now that they're, you know, their stringent nickname regulations and their theme song breaks protocol there, so... You know, the power from Port is no longer the, accepted um, in the vocabulary down at Alberton. So, I think no, it's it is, time No, it's just not in print media case. I think you've, uh, you've misconstrued uh, that one. Oh, it could be a print good media, option it's for, you know, be, like uh, thing done. Bad Dreams or something to re-record the Ooh, Port Adelaide theme I'm song. I'm that or, couldn't, be, you know, uh, couldn't be any worse than the one we currently got. So, it's uh, a stinker. Yeah, I'll take, uh, a, I'll take a new one any day of the week. Well, anyway, <laughs> moving on to actual fantasy stuff, we'll uh, have a look at the Port Adelaide Best 22 uh, for me. So, in defence, Jack Watts, Tom Cleary and Darcy Byrne-Jones, Hamish Hartlett, Tom Jones, and Ryan Burton on the half-back line. Dan Houston, Tom Rockcliffe and Xavier Dersmar through the middle with Scott Lysett, Travis Boak and Ollie Wines. Forward line of Robbie Gray, Justin Westhoff and Connor Rosie with Zach Butters, Charlie Dixon and Brad Ebert. On the pine, we'll have Stevie Motlop, Sam Pelpepper and Riley Bonner along with Carl Amon. Now, I know your positions don't mean that much. You mm. kind of chop and change them every round, but I just can't see Dan Houston on a wing. Mm. It's a bit too slow for that position. So, Carl Amon would have to come on there for me. Okay. Um, it's actually really hard to see, like, even though I guess it's, it's going to be obvious that he's going to jump in for Ollie Wines, um, mm. who's now injured. But with the full midfield in there, once you've got to sell there, it's actually hard to see where Dan Houston fits into that midfield. Mm. There needs to be a few injuries and stuff, which there is, for him to really, I think, you know, go into their full time. But uh, that said, there's lots of, um, lots of talk in the media that he's going to play their full time. It's just when you look at Port. Adelaide side, it's actually hard to see where he does fit. It's not a bad side, really. They should be performing a lot better than they are. We won't oh. go into the hashtag Sack Ken movement, but uh, with preaching the choir, <laughs> with Ollie out, <laughs> who jumps into that spot, you reckon? Uh, I think Willem Drew will probably come in um, mm-hmm. and play, well, yeah, at least fill up one of those bench spots and kind of be that uh, inside ball that we'll need. The other one I think is interesting um, for my, my take is um, I think. Uh, Todd Marshall will be playing a lot more this season and I think Justin Westhoff there's been talk of him kind of filling in Dougal Howard's role where he's going to play a bit more in defence or maybe a bit more loose in defence this season as well so that's what he's been earmarked to do as well which is good for his fantasy numbers because he takes a great intercept grab the big yeah. off well, is he still no he's a back forward isn't he this back year forward, yeah, yeah okay so it doesn't really matter about the he's already got the position there mm. which actually could be handy in keeper leagues he's probably going to be in a lot of pools this year and if he um, you know if he plays just loose in defence and he might be able to rack him up and the guy's still fit as ever he could play oh, for yeah. a couple of years and no dramas I can run for days. He can. All right. Let's get stuck in his players. Yeah. I'm talking about Dan Houston. 
So this guy is set to explode this season. After playing his trade in the halfback flank for the first few years, he's made his move into the midfield last season. So he was in and out. He played some four games in there, did stints in there last season. But the uh, the games when he did play four games in the midfield really really stood out as uh, you know some of the scoring he could actually produce. So he averaged 81 for the year. But let's look at his late season numbers because it was the end of the year more so that he kind of mm-hmm. moved into the midfield. Yep. So late season, his last 10, he averaged 85. Okay, mm-hmm. Last five, he averaged 103. And his last three averaged 96. So that's some pretty good numbers if you can get him, I guess. he's gonna You're going to get him as a defender, but mm-hmm. hopefully he'll be playing in the guts a lot more. So... Ollie Wines has been placed on the long-term injury list. Um, there's the media over here is just always talking about Dan Houston's the next big thing. He's going to be yep. playing midfield this year, bye-bye defence, that sort of stuff. But in ultimate footy, he retains back status. So that's uh, that's pretty handy for us. I guess the main concern is that he's not going to be a defender for very long by the sounds of things. Um that's pretty much all there is about Dan Houston. I think he's going to have a great year. What do you think, Case? He is. Uh, I remember watching him in that last game last year at Adelaide Over when uh, there was a flag on the line and we were cheering right. every Dan Houston touch. It was uh, uh, just a recap for our listeners. It was Dan Houston versus Travis Boak. Yep. Scores were basically level at the start of the game. And yep. I guess the guy we didn't want to win had Travis Boak and the yep. underdog had Dan Houston. And Dan Houston had a massive first three quarters, I yeah. think, and then kind of went missing in that last yep. quarter. But uh yeah, that was a bit of fun. Uh, yeah, I'm obviously all on board Dan Houston this year for sure. I think just it's a bit annoying because the hype train has well and truly left the station and everyone's hearing Dan Houston everywhere, no matter where yep. you are, whether you're in Adelaide or whether you're on Twitter, etc. So you're never going to get him for cheap anymore because, um, you know, of what he should be doing this season. It does help that Ollie Wines is obviously out and there was that, as we were saying before, you know, like there was the potential of, you know, not really knowing where he's going to fit, but yeah. now he's obviously going to step straight into that, that starting midfield and should dominate. Um, yeah, I enjoy watching him play footy and I think he's going to be a very, very good fantasy scorer going forward. Cool. Let's move on to your first play, guys. Well, I might as well talk about Willem Drew first up. So, uh, now that Ollie Wines is gone, it definitely opens up a spot for the SANFL pig, which is Willem Drew. So, both inside balls. Uh, Drew probably just didn't take his opportunity last year when it was given to him. So, he played the first eight games of the AFL season and then spent uh, the rest of 2019 mainly in the twos. So, he started off the year very well, 86-92 from his first two games, then kind of flailed. So, uh, Drew returned for the round 15 game um, and then back for the round 23 game where he got, actually got his career best 93 points there. So, if you can see something like that in the AFL uh, heading forward, that's going to be very good. So, he averaged six tackles a game, which we do love, and obviously that's that inside role coming through. Interestingly, he actually ranked uh, 20th overall in the AFL for tackles per game. So, uh, his numbers are up there, and we do love a tackler on their keeper leg. So, sure. um, in his SANFL games, played 13 in the end last year. He's called the pig for a reason. He averaged 109 in the sandfall. Uh, Is he top- actually called the pig? I've never heard him called the pig. I'm calling him the okay, pig. I get the it, SANFL so. pig. Yep, I get so, you. I'm, you know, pumping, you know, like we were talking Braden Proust last week before he obviously went down today, which is sure. unfortunate. I'll let you um, have this one. That's yes. fine. <laughs> um, 27 touches, eight tackles in the sandful. So that's pretty good. And only a low of 80, which is fantastic, and had a highs of 134 and 136. So for me, he definitely has the ability. I think it's just the opportunity that has eluded him. But I think with Wally, Wally Irons, Oli Wines out. Uh, I think he should slot into that role and should be a big watch this year. I think Wines' nickname is actually Wall. 
at uh, Port Adelaide. It's one of his many nicknames anyway. So, you so got, we've got Wall on the pig. Bang on, mate. Yeah, yeah sweet. You, you, had it, you had it right the first time. Good. I'm saying. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Willem Drew, like this opportunity is gold for him now to actually come in. I'm not 100% sure how long Ollie Wines is going to be out for because really he did the same injury to the different shoulder, the opposite shoulder last year, at the same time last season, was back by round three. So I think this one's going to be longer. He has been placed on the long-term injury list, but I think that's more of a ploy to maybe get someone else in before the season starts. Well, it was something about having a full yeah. list to pick from. Yeah. Is there a rule that you have to be on the LTI no, the only for thing, a while? Well, the only thing is if you've got one person out injured, you might be able to get a supplementary player in. Right. So, um, But it Sneaky. depends. I think it also depends how long he's out for as well. So mm. if he's out, he's out. So that's but the it, thing. But if he's only actually going to come good round one, he has to play in the twos for a couple of weeks like he did yeah, last year. Yeah, well, last year, year so, he played yeah. round three, he came back. So yeah. um, that helped Will and Drew. But we saw anyway that Will and Drew stayed in the side with him in there anyway because he mm. performed so well in the first few weeks. Um, it's just his numbers then drop. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But I think, uh, look, another year in the system, a little bit more opportunity. Like even blokes like Rocky, like you don't know how much mm. game time he's going to be playing these days. He's getting mm. a bit slow. Sam Powell Peppers, you know, talked to move up forward, not yeah. going to the midfield anymore. Weird. There might be more of a spot for him in there this year than we actually think. So, I don't know. Stay tuned for that one. Fingers crossed. All right, my next player, I'm going to talk about Riley Bonner. And I guess this is a bit of a flow one from uh, Dan Houston because he benefited a lot from Houston's move into the midfield last season. Uh, look, take round 19, for example. Houston played midfield that whole game. I went through and had a look at the highlights on Stats Pro of that game just to make sure. And uh, yeah, Bonner had 111 just slotting into that halfback role. So he, uh, he did it pretty nicely. He averaged 66 for the season, but uh, 75 from his last five. And look, Dougal Howard comes out, which means someone has to go on defense because there's no real tools apart from lean it if you count him. But Lena doesn't really play tall anyway. Mm. So um, someone's got to go into that side. Um, and with now, you know, Wines out, then it flow on from, uh, from Houston in. He's going to have a spot, I think, So, mm. is what I'm trying to say. So for me, though, the disposal for him is a, is a real worry. And it is probably what keeps him out of the team um, a lot of the time. But again, I think he's just going to be given a lot more opportunity. I think the pressure's off some of these younger guys to perform. Uh, now it's more about development and things like that. So um, look, I reckon he'll get a decent crack at it this year. Um, high 70s, I think he could go if he everything goes to plan. Um, and then, yeah, it should be a more permanent addition. Um, either him or Leonard, but we'll have to wait and see there, I guess. Yeah. Um, for me, he's a tough one to, what do you do? Do you keep him or not? So nah. I think um, I'm coming up to this point where doing a, have to put our keeper submission in for our um, draft that we did here for the for the pod last year. And, you know, we, we keep 20 out of the 40. Oh, shit, we have and, to do that, And my we? defender ranks aren't great, but Bryce Gibbs getting the defender in uh, Ultimate Footy this year is a bit of a godsend. And Bonner was kind of on the, the cut line there. So it's for me, it's almost like a Bonner, Taylor, Jamal, those kind of guys who, because it's really bad because I took Whitfield and Whitfield's obviously gone to <laughs> forward, which hasn't helped me. So I like, you got a decent forward though. I do have a good forward line. So, uh, but someone like Bonner is just a really bloody tough one because I, th- I know probably a lot of people would have taken the punt on keeping him last year and then he kind of let them down. You know, what do you do going this year? Do you hope, do you, you, you know, delist him and then hope you can get him, you know, mid this draft? Well, if you're delisting him, you've hopefully just got someone better to replace him and if he comes to you, he does. If he doesn't, it's no big loss, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rightio, my next player, Kane Farrell. Uh, so he's actually getting a bit of preseason hype coming from the Port Adelaide Footy Club this year. There's a few players talking up his uh, preseason form, and he actually is not a bad small forward at all. So he played seven AFL games last year, played from rounds eight 
to 15 and only had the 45 average points in his second year but did kick 11 goals in those seven games which is not too bad for a, a young small forward. Uh, had an 80 point PB in round 14 against the Suns which featured 14 touches and three goals. So um, with only playing seven AFL games he obviously played a fair bit in the Sandful, uh, notched up 15 games there for a 77 average with uh, 12 kicks, five handballs, five marks, three tackles and a goal per game. So he had a 109 point PB which came um, throughout that year and his last four game average in the Sandford was 91. So for a small forward looking at his numbers, his tackle numbers aren't big enough but that's something that he can build on obviously getting some bigger body size um, and that kind of thing. So with Sam Gray gone who played a fair bit of footy for the power last year um, and Farrell getting a three-year deal given to him. Is that a bit of a sign of faith from Port Adelaide that he's going to be that next, yeah, you know, forward up there? Um, and, you know, coming into his third-year breakout here, he's oh, a, yeah. a third-year breakout oh, on the cards. You know? It really depends, I suppose, if, if you're kind of happy for that 70 average forward from now and, and do we think that there's anything further along the line for him? It's, it's hard to see, especially with guys like Rosie and Butters and, and those guys kind of coming on you know, from their first year, kind of they've leapfrog guys like Farrell. So um, interesting. I, I could probably take a bit of a flyer on him late as a forward. I think saying a seventy average from a guy who averaged forty five last season is a bit of a bit of a flyer. I reckon. I don't think you'll get that high. Um, but look, he's, he's, he might be right if he can cement his spot in um, the team, and uh, yeah, can actually start. You know, just getting some games together and actually putting some um, putting some scores together, he might turn into something that you could actually use off a bench every now and then. But yeah, yeah, it's not for me. But like, for, like for, if you look at my team, I just need to pick players that are actually going to play this year because mm. um, my keepers are not even guaranteed best twenty two. So if he's one of those players that's playing each week, he's definitely someone I'll consider. Cool. Who you got next? All right, I'm going to talk about Ryan Burton, one of your boys, Case. Yeah, you own boy. him. He's uh, not only my boy, I just own him. Yeah, you own him. Yeah. I thought that's what the definition really of a boy is, really. Um, I have him, but am I really invested in his life? No. Oh, you trade him like, for me? I'll have him as one of my boys. Uh, yeah, who are you going to give me in return? I don't know. We'll figure it out later. Some um, shit like he's short <laughs> and crap. I've traded him. Uh, second in the Rising Star in 2017, uh, Ryan Burton averaged 84 points in that season. But he hasn't lived up to those heights since. So, Burton, he's a little injury prone. Um, he's a great footballer when he's fit, though. Last season, he was looking a lot better coming across to Port Adelaide. I think, you know, when players move to a new club, they always stand up a little bit more. And mm-hmm. it was a bit of a given that Burton was going to have a better season than the previous year, I think. Um, but, yeah, every 72 last year, well, that's with two injury-affected scores. If you take up Burton's two in- injury-affected scores, he comes up to 79, which is one off 80. Good. Which for me, 80 is the benchmark for uh, or the bar for uh, defenders, I reckon. Solid defender. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. need a good defender this He's averaging 80. Um, that's when they become, you know, in your keepers, firmly mm. entrenched in your keepers. Definitely. So, um, he also stunk up a few games late um, after coming back from injury as well. Just, I think he had a big, uh, I think, four weeks out late in the year and come back for the last two rounds and just looked off the pace a little bit. So, mm-hmm. I think that 72 average is a little bit deceiving as to where he could actually be this season. So, I think he's going to sneak into the 80s this year. Um He's a player that's likely to keep his back status for a long time as well. He's not going to run off in the midfield. He's not going to go up forward. We can play out forward, but he's more likely to stay at back. Um, so, yeah, I think he goes 80-plus this year. Should do it pretty easy if he's fit. What do you think? 100%. Well, I'm keeping him, so I'm backing in Ryan. Uh, look, I've, you've only got to assume that, you know, that, that first year he kind of broke onto the scene uh, at Hawthorne. He was oh, – he probably averaged 80 back then. I can't remember no, with no stats off the top of my head. But, yeah, um, it was 84. Yeah, he was super, super good in that that season. And then obviously injury hit him uh, the year later and he just kind of floundered a bit. So I reckon, you know, he's probably a 
bit more settled in the port lineup, uh, should have a full preseason under his belt. He could be one of the the really, really consistent backmen of this year, I think, in yeah. fantasy-wise. You know, he may, he may never set the world on fire in terms of hundreds and stuff like that, but, you know, you just need those backs, as you said, who are scoring mid-80s each week and they're yeah. going to be happy with them. You build premierships around those 80 average players. Yeah, and as you yeah. said, he's going to lock him in for, for years and years. He's still young, going to be a backman forever. Um, tick, tick, tick for me. Yep. Uh, my last player is your boy, Carly Amon. So, kind of interesting to me that he stayed at the power last year after the lure came out to go home to Victoria. After having a good season with lots mm. of interest coming as well. Oh, as well. yeah. I think there was a fair bit of cash coming to Carl, but he turned it down to stay in Port Adelaide, which is interesting. Culture. You know, they just want players want to be there. They want to play for Ken. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> you said it. Um, no. <laughs> 59 games he's played now, and it's his seventh year on a list, so he's actually been around for a lot longer than I kind of thought, but... Saying that, I still think he's building into something as a, as a player because he's that slight build. Uh, he's got pace, as you said before. Um, but I think he's going to be one to watch this season. So he was consistent enough in the AFL last year, averaged 76.4. Um, and apart from his round two game where he got injured, his lowest score was only 60, which is not too bad. If, if one of your players bombs and 60 is their worst score, I'd take that any day of the week. So notched up 200s last year, just the low ones of 103 and 106. Uh, did have the 490s as well and a last five average of 80 so he only played the two sample games last year uh, 105 and a 99 and kind of just showed he was too good for that level so I think with the pace that he brings to the Port Adelaide side um, they need that so he's going to be playing each and every week in 2020 but for me, I think he's going to kind of be like that um, Jared Polek, Paul Seedsman kind of wing player where, you know, like they're great for an M5, M6, M7 if you're playing that deep. Yeah. You know, he'll get you that 80, 90, potentially 100 if they go bananas. But, you know, that, that's still a really important role player in most sides. So, um, if you have him, might be keeping him for sure. I think he's got plenty of upside. Yeah. But if you are, you know, if he's is in the draft pool, I think you uh, you can take him early, and he's just gonna um, fill that gap for you. Be pretty consistent each week, which we've seen, and um, you know, he may surprise. You just never know. So yeah, I'd be happy to to go early with him. Um, it looks like he's got plenty of talent. I've got. You know, I've got a good feeling about him. I reckon he'll be up there with some of the better wingers in the competition. So, mm-hmm. not some of the best midfielders in the comp, but some of the better wingers, those guys that play purely outside, don't get the contested touches to boost their numbers up to, you know, 105, 106, but definitely got a potential to average in the 90s if everything goes his way mm. and he starts to actually, you know, string a few good games together. 100% agree. All right. That felt like we got through the Port Adelaide pretty quick. So, Thank um, God. Yeah, we'll move Everyone on to Richmond. Everyone is breathing a sigh of relief <laughs> all around Australia. <laughs> we'll move on to Richmond and, uh, yeah, we'll keep smashing through this podcast. All right, Kay's on to the reigning premiers. Uh, this should be an easy best 22 to pick, shouldn't it? Uh, I'd say lots so. of guns in there. They just picked the grand final team and they'll probably win it again. And after listening to your atrocious club theme song, that's <laughs> one of the best in the league by a mile. Yeah, I think we started the last year's Richmond analysis by saying the same thing, I reckon. Yeah, but it just needs to be it's said. True. It's it's timeless. Just, that needs to be said. Uh, rightio, on to the best 22 for the Tigers. Uh, in defence, David Asprey, Dylan Grimes and Jaden Short. Nick Vloston, Nathan Broad and Bashar Hooli uh, through the Wings, Sydney Stack, Dusty Martin and Jack Graham. In the ruck, Toby, Nan Curvis, Dion Prestia and Trent Cochin. Forward line of Shane Edwards, Jack Rewalt and Kane Lambert with Jason Castagna, Tom Lynch and Shy Bolton. Which leaves Josh Caddy, Daniel Rioli, Marlon Pickett and 
Ivan Soto on the pine. No, I don't mind this one, Kaz. I reckon you've done a pretty good job of that one. Thank the you. only thing, only change is like a really small and you know players are names that you're kind of used to seeing in there, but they're not fantasy relevant anyway, so it's not really worth bringing up. So um, yeah, no, I think you've done a good job of this one. I the only the only one I'm thinking of maybe is like Marlon Pickett. Um, I know he had that good grand final, but uh, we'll talk about him a bit more later in this podcast. But what about um, Jack Higgins? Like, you know, where's he? Uh, it's kind of hard to pick up. Peg, I think, unfortunately, just with his uh, health issues. And we probably, yes, he was in their, their best 22 when he was up and going, but it's kind of hard to see where he might fit in with what's happened last year in terms of the Tigers winning the flag. So I think, yeah. um, you know, one that I'm happy to kind of leave out, especially how well, you know, Pickett, Bolton, Rioli, those kind of guys have done last year since Higgins has been out the team. So yeah. uh, hopefully he gets back to it because he's uh, a fun little player to watch. So going back to um, Pickett as well, there's mm. kind of the Twitter sphere is kind of divided whether he's mm. actually in their best 22 or not. A lot of people saying, you know, with players like Graham coming back in and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people that missed out in the grand final that uh, he might not actually be in the side, but you've got him in there. Jeez. He just looks so damn good in that grand final. Oh, yeah, you know, for like, sure. And, you know, like, there have been, um, obviously, Brandon Ellis is out of the side this year. Yeah, um, that's true. Across. Yeah. So, you know, that's one spot that's opened up yep. if you want to try and sneak some other guys in there. So, um, you know, Sydney Stack's not even in that that side there too. So, um, you know, there's a few guys around the mark who yeah. who could slide into that best 22. Uh, obviously, Stack found his way on the outer towards the grand final after an injury. So, um, there's plenty of talent in the, in the Richmond side. All right, let's get stuck into some players. I'll let you uh, lead the way. On this one, case who you got first up? Rightio, I have Shy Bolton. So, um, we actually got a question about him early last season, and they were like, someone said, you know, is Shy Bolton ever going to be fantasy relevant? And we were both like, lol, definitely not. But uh, wow, we were wrong. He actually can play footy and can score fantasy wise. So, week to week, he's kind of a hard player to find and field because, um, you know, his his scoring ability definitely depends on his role and where he sits in that side. So, uh, started the year in the VFL and played four games for 114 point average. Um, he had 18 kicks, nine handballs, and eight tackles there. So, um, was flying early on in the year and then kind of moved into the Tigers' best 22 there, but had like an absolute plethora of scores there. He either scored 26 or 116 and everything in between. So midfield shy is like a fantastic version of shy. He's the great prospect, but forward shy is a bad shy. So when he's in the guts, racking up touches with ease, tackles and even gets forward and finds the goals. But when he's playing that pressure forward role, it's just really, really bad news for fantasy coaches. So for me, he's almost someone I want to take, but at the same time you go, when can you play him? You know, like it's not yep. like there's a, you know, he's going to go well against poor teams because he might just be playing that pressure forward role against poor teams. So you can't really just pencil in when he's going to score well, which makes it a head scratcher and one that you have to be a bit risky or a bit, um, you know, wary of what he could do. So, yeah. and as you're saying, because the Tiger side runs quite deep, especially for that midfield opportunity, it's not like somebody can go, yeah, he had some good games last year. He's going to roll into that midfield this year and be good again. So yeah. it's really like, Yes, he has so much upside, but when do you take him in a draft or when do you actually feel confident to field him? It's, the, it's a tough one. Yeah, he's another one I've watched pretty closely over the past uh, year or so. But uh, just noticed a few things like, you know, one of his huge midfield performances was against Gold Coast and it kind of looked like they were just trying him out, giving him a run there. That said, he did play a couple of weeks ago later in the midfield against GWS, but again, that was a game where a lot of midfielders were injured mm. and things like that. So he seems to kind of be the next in line for the midfielder. The only thing is I just can't see his like role changing um, this year. Like he's going to be playing as 
predominantly a forward, but at mm. times he can score as a forward as well. He just he relies on goals to get yeah. there. So there was a game against Fremantle earlier last year where he kicked four and a half and he was yeah absolutely on fire. I think he got 110 with that game or something like that, 117 I think it was um, in that game too. So yeah, look, he can score up forward, but it's just not as frequent, I don't think. He needs to be playing against Trash so he can actually kick some goals. So what do you do with him then? What would you do with him? Uh, what was the average last year? Sorry. Um, 70. Yeah. Okay. Um, look... I probably would drop him back just because I just don't think that he's going to have the consistency. 63, and sorry. Yeah, 63, sorry. yeah. Yeah, so 63 average. I don't think he's going to have the consistency there. I'd probably drop him back. Um, but look, he's not going to be the worst player to pick up and stream off your bench, I don't think. Yeah, it's just the risk factor for me. Yeah. It makes it really hard to pick 100%. him. Hef. Uh, I'm going to talk about Jaden Short. So this guy was touted as a breakout candidate last year by um, by us. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, look, he averaged 70.4, had an injury-affected game of three in there. So Short averaged 76 without that in there. So that's starting to look a bit better than the 70, even though I'm not going to turn my nose up to 70 no. either at this point in time. Definitely not. <laughs> look, uh, yeah, Short was injured in uh, round three and missed 10 games yeah, from that point onwards. So mm-hmm. he finished off the season well, though. He had 73 from his final 10 games of the season, so that includes a few from before he was injured. Um, but yeah, had a top score of 106 in round 19 versus Collingwood as well. Um, look, eight out of the 12 regular season games were above 70 last season, which I think is pretty good going for a defender. Yep. Um, and when he went low, though, it was like some quite low scoring there. So there were a few mm. scores in the 40s and stuff like that. Yep. So, look, to be honest, though, I think he's a really good fantasy defender because he's really bad at actually defending. I love that. Um, he's awesome on the attack, though. Um, so Richmond want the ball in his hands as well. So you only plonk a bloke like that in defense is it if, unless he's going to be damaging for your team yep. and you're going to want the ball in his hands. So I think he's uh, got the makings of a good fantasy defender. And I think he's really going to shine when Hawley uh, retires. And with Ellis gone now, he could step his game up this season straight away, I think. Yeah, it wouldn't even surprise me to see him on a wing or, or something like that. Yeah, if it's really fitting up and running. Uh, definitely a guy I want to have a piece of because I think there might be a few coaches who are a bit uh, upset at how he was last year and maybe not looking at the stats well enough or uh, looking it all through. So Just I think, looking at the average? Yeah, just looking at the average and going, nah, I don't want to hold him. Um, but yeah, definitely he's got some excuses for how it all happened last year. More... Um, more role ability this year with Ellis going. Obviously, Hooli potentially only has one more year, although we said that last year and he, he uh, basically played a, a personal best year and uh, yep. it was amazing. But uh, I think Short's definitely going to be leading their back line and their, and their run from back line, run from the back line for many years to come. So um, take him high. Cool. Who's next case? Next one, Nick Vlosten. So he was a Tiger that benefited from the Alex Rance injury last year and I think he's going to continue on with his big numbers after Sorry, Rance just jumping retired. in there, Kays. That's how you say Rance. 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 I say Rance, but you say Rance. Rance, Rance. when you're from uh, South Rance. Australia. South Australia. Alex Rance. The accent. Um, <laughs> anyway, what am I saying? Rance is gone. Or Rance is gone. Whoever there you want to say it. Um, but now, with that, uh, Vostons had a PB season last year, averaged 79 points per game, which was six points higher than his 2018 numbers. He was outstanding in the Tigers' defence last year. His intercept marking was a real highlight for me when I was watching their games. Uh, amazingly, Vlosten actually notched up five tons last year, which included a PB of 124 and also pulled out 100 in the grand final with 106 points. So he's gone from basically being a handy backup depth option to a pretty good D2 to D4. And I think with the added responsibility and the confidence he's playing with, I think he's one you really want in your side. So he averaged uh, 80 post buy last year, which only had the one low score of 55, and there was only the two other games under 70. So putting some seriously good numbers together for a, a key back. And for me, he kind of sits in that 
Michael Hurley Mould, who he's a must-keep defender because, um, you know, takes grabs, kicks the ball, um, you know, going to be there week in, week out, uh, and they do kind of use the ball through him. So oh, I can see him comfortably push to a low 80s average in 2020. And it feels like he's been around for a long time, but he's only 25. So as a no-fuss hmm. defender option going forward, He's one I'd really like in my side for this year. You talk about players like Hurley, and another one that kind of reminds me of is um, Jake Carlisle as mm-hmm. well. But, you know, I think a lot of these key defenders do have a standout season. Like, even if you look at Hurley's numbers from a couple of years ago, Carlisle too, mm-hmm. they have this season where they go absolutely nuts and then they kind of plateau afterwards. But I don't that just feel that 79 is like nuts. I think 79 True. is like is what he should be at. He could, and he could still be building actually, especially with Rance gone. Uh, sorry, Rance. With Rance gone. <laughs> but, but if you look at their best 20, well, my take on their best 22 they've got Asprey back there Grimes back there Broad back there there's plenty of height so if Loston's really good at doing the intercept marking in that like he can be the one that is the fourth defender back there and just absolutely mop up um, you know take the grabs pass it off to Short Hurley and out they go so yeah hey I'm actually quite keen on Voss I, I think he'll do what he did last year well it's, it's the same circumstance which is so damn fine. good yeah exactly yeah that's what I mean hmm. so he'll be fine Yep. Who's next? All right. Uh, scrolling up, I have got Marlon Pickett. No, I don't. I've got Jack Ross. I'll talk about Marlon Pickett after that. Um, look, injuries allowed him to play last season. So, a lot of people would have thought he was pretty fairly fair way back on the depth chart at uh, in the Richmond midfield. But look, he started like a house on fire. From his first three games, he had uh, scores of 86, 63 and 92. But uh, Jack Ross, he tapered off a bit and then got injured. Um Average 62 for the season, but uh, he had an injury effect at a score of 11. I feel like everyone I'm saying, I'm pulling out like an injury effect to score from this year. Trying to find the needles in the haystack. Yeah, maybe that's it. Uh, But anyway, look, if you take that out, he jumps up to 71 because he played such a um, small number of games. Had 20 plus disposals in three out of seven games as well, which Mm. is kind of good to see. I think the sign of a good midfielder is someone who can actually rack up 20 disposals a game. Um, And yeah, so he he can do that. And it looks like he can probably, um, with a few more games under his belt, if a bit more experience, he can probably start doing that more on the regularly. Um, um, but yeah, interestingly enough, this is a stat I pulled out of the brand new prospectus that I got mm-hmm. this week. Uh, nice. came in the mail, the Bible, as I like to call it. Um, look, uh, he Richmond won 48% of the clearances. Uh, sorry, they won the clearances 48% of the time he was in there with the center bounces. Mm-hmm. So this was the best out of any Tigers player. So basically, Richmond win the pill when he's in the midfield. So it looks like, um, yeah, he might be, they might be someone who they want to get him in there. So. With Jack Ross, his kicking lets him down, which kind of hurts his selection chances, I think, a bit. Mm-hmm. But as he develops, he builds on that and be kind of adds more strings to his bow. Um, he should be all right when he plays, I think. What do you reckon, Case? Now, we saw him in the side when Cochin was injured, wasn't that right? Yep. Yeah. So, I think. I think. So, Cochin back in, you know, like he's not really nudging out Martin, Prestia, Cochin, you yeah. know, those kind of guys for a midfield spot. So, he's, you know, around the mark, but I think, you know, you can't be too confident on what he's going to do in 2020. Yeah. He's definitely a stash option for me. Or oh, someone for sure. you can get late and hope that he does get that opportunity. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I definitely would be keeping him. Um, but uh, I'd like to take him mid to late if you can, if he's around and you need some and some mid cover. Is he a relation to Seb Ross or just the same surname? Uh, they've both got the surname Ross. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I just, I don't think they're brothers or anything like that. I but, definitely uh, don't think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting though. Uh, thought I'd just point that out there. It's not like his name's lost and it's Ross. Like, it's a pretty simple name, man. Yeah, I know, I know. But, like, well, are they brothers? That's what I mean. With Seb Ross. They're not brothers. Yeah, okay. That's, what, that's what I was pretty asking. Pretty confident. That's what I was brothers. asking. <laughs> and I'm going to be wrong. 
Uh, righto, on to my last player, Sydney Stack. So it was impossible not to be impressed by him last year. Um, so his first year in the system after being a preseason pickup, an average 72. Um, for me, I don't know what it was, but I always felt that he was a lot older than he is, but he's actually only 19. So, so much time left in the Sydney Stack career, which is very exciting. Unfortunately, a late season injury ruined his chance of getting a flag in his first year, uh, which is a bit sad, but no doubt he'll be hungrier than ever in 2020. So he debuted with 89 points against GWS, which is pretty damn good going with 17 touches and eight marks. So he was just super consistent all year. So he played uh, 17 games and 11 of those games, he scored over 70, which is magnificent for that, uh, that rookie player. I like so much about Sydney Stack. I like the way he does it all, can accumulate, can mark, tackle, get forward, kick goals if need, has great speed, great versatility, can literally play anywhere on the ground. So I'm super confident he's going to have a big year this year, proper preseason in 2020, and I think he's only going to keep getting better and better and better. You know, like whether he's playing wing, half back, um, you know, he can do it all. So I think you want him in your side for the next 10 years. I think even if he does kind of have a bit of second year blues this year, um, you know, I don't think it's going to affect his scoring too much. It might not just mean he's, you know, progressing his scores, but I don't think he's going to go backwards because he looks like an absolute star. Yeah, it might be a bit like Carl Amon has mentioned at Port Adelaide where he probably doesn't have the uh, contested sides of his game as much as, or probably a bit more than Amon, something like that though, but he's probably not going to have those huge numbers, you know, average 100 plus each year because of them. But yeah, definitely a solid option. Um, if he remains a defender, if he becomes a winger, he'll still be handy as well, but mm. he just kind of drops down to like one of your lower mid positions, I think. I think it just happens with, you know, we say it, each week, like if they're forward or back, they're just worth a punt because, you know, yeah, yeah. you're going to win this year and if they end up being a gun and being a midfielder, well, then that's just what they are. So Yeah, and sometimes depending on the depth of your league and how many you keep, sometimes it's not even worth like looking too far ahead because things change so quickly mm. and you can only keep so many. So, Correct. yeah, I think he's going to be fine this year. So, yep. Last get, on, get on board. Um, all right, I'm going to talk about Marlon Pickett. So finally up to Marlon Pickett. I think I mentioned him three times already without actually talking about him. But Lots anyway, of sizzle with Marlon. <laughs> so we all know the grand final story, but look, I'm I'm kind of put it out there in terms of fantasy. You've got to be wary with this one. Mm-hmm. All right. So the fairy tale. He looked good in that one game last season that he played. Scored 73 fantasy points. Yeah, it's all right. Great game, like in pure football term. Great game. Magnificent. But in game. terms of fantasy, it's nothing super special. Correct. And then. Outside the grand final, just uh, looking at his numbers over, you know, all his career, everywhere he's played, mm-hmm. he's never been a massive ball winner. So, this is another chat from the stat from the prospectus I pulled out. So, Champion Data um, has covered 123 matches featuring Pickett, mm-hmm. and he is, averages 17 touches a game from those 123 matches. So, I don't know where he's going to become this ball magnet at AFL level mm-hmm. that a lot of people are talking up, but it, I don't think it's actually going to happen. So, he played two games for an average of 48 in the Waffle last season, and then six games for an average of 70 in the VFL. So he's 28 year old, years old as well. So he's going to be, don't get me wrong, he's going to be a great money maker in your fantasy classic, your salary cap types. He's a must have in that. But don't get sucked in in keeper leagues. I actually think Supercoach is probably going to go all right as well because he's probably. pretty class with the pill. Um, but yeah, don't get sucked in too much in the AFL fantasy formats, keeper leagues and stuff like that. Going to be a lot of talk about him from the grand final. Going to be a lot of talk about him from fantasy classic. But with uh, Marlon Pickett, I think we just need to cool our jets a bit on him in keeper leagues. What do you reckon? I uh, agree. He's one of those uh, salary salary cap hype players. Yeah. You know, like he's going to probably play and he'll score because he's, you know, um, rated at 180,000 or whatever it is, you know, like, yes, fine. And it actually kind of works out kind of well for you as a coach, I reckon, because if you know this, 
you know, he's going to go earlier than he probably should. Yeah. Which means you're going to get someone later, yeah. which is nice. So, um, the positive about him is he should play a bit of footy next season. So, you will get some scores out of him. Something yeah. like, you know, points de- on the on the park for you. <clears throat> you're right. It depends what you want out of him. If you yeah. want someone who's going to be great for lots of years, obviously not because he's old and he's, you know, statistically hasn't done it previously. But if you want someone who's going to play most weeks, yeah. you know, just get you a score up in the forward line, then, yeah, he's a fine option. Yeah. All right. Uh, any players left? I think that's it, isn't that's it? That's it. All right. Let's move on to the Saints. All right, and it's time for the Saints to go marching in. Nice little snare drum solo at the start. I didn't realise that was there. So, yeah, nice. Oh, oh think about the microphones, mate. Come well, on. That's part of the illusion. <laughs> yeah, true. All right. Uh, we've got this uh, thing with, with our microphones that if we hit the desk too hard, it makes this big booming sound in our microphone. But it also sounds like a sweet snare drum. Yeah, that's true. But we always forget about it. And we, like, slam our beers down or, like, touch wood on the table. And it makes this big crack and we have to re-record. So, I'm a bit touchy about it. I'm very gentle. Thanks very rough. <laughs> All right. Uh, on to your St. Kilda Best 22 list. Do it. Yes. So, defence of Jaron Geary, Dougal Howard and Shane Savage with Josh Battle, Jake Carlisle and Hunter Clark on the half-back line. Midfield with Jack Billings, Seb Ross and Brad Hill. Uh, Rowan Marshall, Jack Still and Dan Hannabury in the rucks with Jade Gresham, Max King and Jack Sinclair and the half-forward line. Featuring Paddy Ryder, Tim Membry, and Dan Butler up forward, leaving Zach Jones, Luke Dunstan, Dylan Robertson, and Callum Wilkie on the bench. All right, so you got Dylan Robertson straight in if he's fit and firing, doesn't need yep. any run in the twos, he comes straight back in. Uh, I don't think so. Like it's a preseason, he's gonna have heaps. He's gonna be well up to speed in terms of match sim. He's gonna have some um, Marsh series footy under his belt. I think he's gonna be fine. Yep, and uh, yeah, you got Zach Jones in there. Paddy Wright, do you think, plays in tandem with Ryan Marshall? Well, that's what they've been saying all preseason. And yep. It probably makes sense, um, you know, losing Josh Bruce, um, Max King, still young. Yep. Um, you know, I think they're going to have to because I don't think memory can kind of hold that forward line all out by himself. And that's interesting. You've got Max King starting round one. Mm, yep. Why not? I think, I think St. Kilda in that, they, they seem to have an absolute... Um, stack of those midfielder half back types, but their their tools are a bit light on. So I think yeah. that means that they're going to have to roll the dice with Ryder in the side, along with uh, Marshall and then potentially Max King there as well. Yeah, look, I don't think they're going to be the best fantasy scorers of the Kings, but Max and uh, his brother Ben, I'm really excited to watch them this season. See what yeah. they can do. They looked good in snippets last yeah, year, definitely. So. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to some players. Oh, the other one was well, Case. You're actually going to talk about Ben Patton tonight and you don't have him in your team, so. Yeah, look. That's right. Know, I talked about a not best 22 player before. So we're uh, we're going to roll through, you know, he's going to get a game, you know, a bit earlier on. I th- he's borderline. He's borderline. All right, cool. Just a perspective pickup. Yes. All right, cool. I'm going to talk about Dylan Robertson uh, straight up. So, apparently, finally, clean bill of health for Dylan Robertson. He'll be playing again this season. Fingers crossed, touch wood. Yep. Don't bang the table though, Case. No. <laughs> Gently. Hasn't played since 2018 where he averaged 63 from four games. That last game, he had to leave the field with the uh, the heart issue um, and uh, he actually collapsed on the field, that's right. So, um, yeah, it's a bit scary. But good thing he's up and running again. Um, his last full season though, he was, uh, well, that was in 2017 and Robertson averaged 90 that year. He mm. also averaged 83 in 2015 as well. But since then or between then, he's just got scattered mixed bag averages of 60s mm. and 70s and stuff like that around there. But, you know, at his best, he's a reasonable scorer. With Robertson, he is an an elite interceptor and loves to kick the footy. So, he's a defender built for scoring. So, if he's healthy and available, I reckon you've got to grab him. He's going to be risky, like Mm. to to go early on. But if the price is right, you know, he's available in your draft or, you know, second, third round, depending on how many you keep in your draft, Mm -hmm. he's going to be someone you're going to have to take the punt on because the upside is huge. 
It is. Uh, I don't think it's one I would take. Um, you know, I kind of have a bit of a uh, distaste, distaste for guys who have, you know, bad injury records, that kind of thing. Yep. The fact that he's going to turn 29 this year as well doesn't really make him the yeah, best true. keeper league proposition, I don't yeah, think, true. especially with the risk that's associated. Um, you know, saying that, he could – hopefully he's, he's fully fit um, and healthy and, and can come out and do a, um, do what he did in, you know, 2017. Yeah. But um, for me, I just don't think it's the play I'd want to take as, as the kind of coach I am. He's more of those – he's more of the players that uh, – more one of the players that you pick up if you're in the window, I oh, think, because yep. he could really propel your team to flag material. Yeah, especially because he might actually drop a bit. People might – have the same view as me and go, it's not worth it. Yeah, um, or like people that are like half your, you know, half the team, half your league is generally good, like mm. finals contention. Yeah. Half league is pretty much shit. The teams that are in finals contention are the only ones who are really going to be considering, I yeah. think. So, yeah, he might drop a little bit. Right. And he could be a massive part of your uh, your premiership chances. For sure. All right, guys, who's your first St. Kilda player? Well, I'll talk about the guy who might play if Dylan Robertson <laughs> is still not right. It's Ben Patton. So, um, we bang on about handy defender options a lot and Ben Patton's one that I like the look of going forward. So, managed to play the 13 AFL games last year, had the average of 59 and a half, which basically cemented his spot in the Saints' back line for most of the back half of last year. So, obviously, there's some unknowns with the St. Kilda side and how they're going to line up all throughout the board with uh, Robertson hopefully returning, Zach Jones coming to the side, etc. But I think Patton can still feature in 2020. So, had a PB of 89 in round six. And what I like about him, he just does a bit of everything as a defender. So, um, intercept marks, tackles, gets enough touches, that kind of thing. So, went back and played three VFL games, you know, when he wasn't injured or in the AFL side, averaged 90 points there from uh, 13 touches, six marks and four tackles. And I think that's kind of like his goal. He's never going to be a ridiculously high scoring defender, but uh, just one that's pretty consistent and will get you that, you know, 75, 80. So I think with more senior footy, he's one that's naturally going to grow his numbers. And as I said, if he can get those VFL stats, I think that's going to be really, really good. So I think there's obviously some risks just about his position in that best 22. But I think he's going to be quite a handy late pickup, especially in that spare uh, defender category where, you know, there's there's guys you're going to have to take risks on. And I think I'd rather take a risk on him than some other players. Yeah, look, I see him out there. He's just not one that really excites me. Not someone I've really put a lot of time into either, really, because just watching him play doesn't really look like a fantasy scorer to me. The VFL numbers kind of, you know, spark my interest a little bit more. But look, if you don't even have him in your best 22, he might not actually, like, you know, with all the in- influx of players this year, he might actually get a game this year. One, St. Kilda have a horrible injury history. True, that is true. Uh, two... You just never actually know who's going to play in St. Kilda's side yeah. either. Like, as we I said at the start, there's lots of guys who are very similar in terms of talent and ability and height and, and who they play. Like, the, their midfielders and half forwards and half backs are just stacked. It's just uh, who kind of makes up their mix is the interesting one. It's funny because you've got his cemented his spot in the side now. We're I said basically cemented his spot. <laughs> oh, basically cemented. Sorry. All but cemented. I wrote basically <laughs> deliberately because I could backflip on this. Okay. That's, yeah, good planning. I like that. I like planning up my yeah. skills like that too. Anyway. I just I'm, I I own him as a as a rookie in our league, and I'm going to retain him because uh, it's, that's it's a why free he's on there. No, 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 I get it. But I watched because of that. I watched him a lot <laughs> yeah, last year, okay. and I thought yeah. he was not too bad. And yeah. I, you know, like right. yes, he's borderline, but you know, there's plenty of worse players out there. You've got to talk about trash on this podcast. It wouldn't be the keeper league. If I you love talking, if you about talking about trash. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to Josh Battleaxe. So uh, 
yeah, uh, I'm not usually a big fan of these taller type players, but Battle was a little bit different. All right, so he played as a key forward as a junior um, all of his career. Switched defence uh, last year or late the year before that, um, but he's kept that attacking prowess up. So he's played 19 games for a 68 average last season. Suffered an injury around 16, which affected his average slightly. Again, another one that's injury affected. I'm just picking him tonight. I'm not even gonna. Yep. I'm not gonna work it out though tonight. Um, anyway, he had uh, three scores above 100 last season though, and also had 10 scores below um, 70 as well. So he's kind of a bit of a mixed bag there. Um, I think his scoring depends a little bit on matchups, not all the time, but sometimes he might just have to pay a bit more attention to his man. And when he does that, Kays, he seems to battle. Pardon the pun. <laughs> lucky oh, lucky you're a father. You can get away with that shit. <laughs> Uh, I'm worried though that eventually like you look at people like um, Jack LaCoche sub at Gold Coast there's Mm. obviously a plan that they put him in defence to get him behind the pill to learn to read the play to learn off the best forwards in the competition do you Mm. think there's a chance that this is all the experiment is or do you reckon he's shown enough that he is going to be one of those rebounding taller type defenders I am a big Josh Battle fan so I think that with uh, hopefully Jake Carlo being fit for once at St Kilda and Dougal Howard coming into that mix I think that he can play that third tall the floating tall the intercept tall sorry that was the other one that kind of made me think a little bit whether that he might go back forward and maybe try to recapture his junior form especially with Max King I think Dougal can play it forward too yeah that's true yeah true Yeah, but like just because with Max King as well being so raw, I thought there might be a chance. I don't think it would be wise by Brent Ratton to actually play him up forward, but I thought there might be a chance yeah. that he might go back up there and just fuck everything up. I just really like the look of Josh Battle last year. He yeah. was very oh, so impressive in his numbers, and his numbers stacked up for one of those kind of players. Like, yes, yeah. I know you don't like those taller blokes, but he was very, no, very good. I like him when they play this role, when it's yeah. clear like this. So, yeah. My, my thinking is if someone's playing the role well, why – change it just to ruin, you know, or just to do well, something else. You it's know, more I know so we're not playing fantasy football yeah, yeah. in real life. I'm also thinking they might have other holes to fill, especially with um, yeah. Bruce gone as well. All right, but would you keep him? Uh, yeah, of course. Oh, yes. That, that my team's shit. Like, I'd keep anyone. I'd keep him. <laughs> I'd keep my team's a little I'd bit better than I'd keep a sack yours. of spuds. Um, but the other thing is as well, like, whether he's going to be the best scoring option week in, week out, he's almost at streamer level with some of the low scores he can have where you've got to try mm. to pick his best. But look, if you're averaging 68, it's getting close to a player that you can plonk on the field and play each week. For me, he's young and he was highly touted. And I think, yeah. you know, he's just kind of going to come into his own, um, you know, still very young, only yeah. what, got 21. So, you know, there's yeah, yeah. so much footy left ahead look, of him. I'm more than happy to be wrong on this one, but that just, yeah, just being a forward growing up and them, I guess, St. Kilda really having a bit of a lack of, tall forwards as well that just concerns me that he might just have to move away from this role at some stage just to do the team thing that's the only thing I have on him really hopefully you're wrong hopefully I am um, alright do you have another one Case? I do Ed Phillips so he was a guy oh, I that, remember this guy yeah we had him kind of <laughs> pegged in for a breakout last year and <laughs> that's right another swing and a miss for the keeper league unfortunately but uh, no we get most right we're just a couple you know who get wrong occasionally we're, but, human. Uh, we're human case. we are human uh, but really it was tough when he couldn't even get a game in the Saints side last year uh, only played the four AFL games which was from rounds 8 to 11 and only knocked up the average of 54 which is very miserly so What's actually more disappointing is he went backwards. So he played seven games in 2018 and averaged 73 there. Now, a mid-season injury did ruin any chance of that breakout because he obviously got his spot into the side and was starting to build up. But um, 
you know, his numbers in the VFL were all right. Uh, averaged 94 from nine games and included two tons there of 113 and 115. But apart from that was just that very consistent 80s, 90s wingman kind of role, which is which is fine role, role for them in everyone's side. He's super fit. He's the time trial king of St. Kilda, which, oh, you know. You love a time trial. I do love a time guy, trial king. <laughs> he's not going to be my guy, though. But uh, he's been winning the time trials for fun. But unfortunately, you can be as fit as you want, but you still have to, one, get a game. And oh, you're making sense for a change. You're talking about time trials yeah, and but then like, talking sense. Oh, when it's like November and December and there's just nothing else going on in the AFL landscape, you just want those pre-season results, yeah. don't you? All, the, all there is in the news is time trials. We yeah. just got to talk about them. And it's awesome. <laughs> but anyway. For me, I reckon if Zach Jones and Brad Hill didn't arrive, I'd be keen on Phillips featuring this year and one I would have taken a flyer on and hopefully got a bit late. But uh, he needs a good year because if uh, he has a badgie, he's out of contract this year going forward, it's very, very risky. So he has scoring ability, but his best 22 chances have just taken a massive hit with their two inclusions. Look, I know guys like... um, Jack Nunes and Black Acres have gone, so hopefully they can just replace, uh, you know, Jones and Hill replace them, and, and there is a chance for, for Phillips, but I'm just not quite seeing it. So I think for me, just take him late because if he does play, he's probably going to score quite well, especially based on um, what he can do, and I think he's going to be very, very undervalued based on his average last year. So if, uh, you know, last couple of picks and he's just kind of scrounging around, I think uh, he might be worth a pick, young Ed. Egg, egg, egg. I keep saying egg. Every Ed is now just an egg to you. <laughs> Ed Phillips. All right, old eggy boy. Um, yeah, look, I'm off of him after that bad call last year, so I don't want to uh, recap that one. No, now he'll probably break out and I would have been wrong shot. twice. Yeah. Well, I believe in you, Ed. If you can get a game, I'll it's back egg, you mate. in, my egg. friend. Nah, that's egg lung <laughs> Oh, sorry. All right, let's move on to my last play, and I'm going to talk about Hunter Clark. Jeez, I've had it easy tonight. I've talked about three... Uh, Real St. Kilda up and coming superstars. Yeah, and you've had you some real me. trash to talk about. There's honestly about. not much talk about it, St. Kilda. <laughs> it really isn't. Seeing as you stole all my favourites. Yeah. Sorry, that's what happens when you get to the uh, show doc first, mate. First mm, in best dress. Happened to me the first six weeks. Your turn to yes. suffer. Anyway, yes. Hunter Clark. Uh, serious breakout candidate. Uh, averaged 77.4 from 14 games in 2019. Uh, Clark averaged... Oh, this is what's the best best part about this. So that seventy seven point four doesn't actually look that good. Mm-hmm. But if you look at his numbers after the buy, mm-hmm. so mid season moving yep. into his halfback role, yep. um, eighty five average after the buy. So nice. that's pretty sweet from Hunter Clark there. Um, he's an awesome ball winner, both inside and outside, which is going to be good for his fantasy scoring as well. There's always a bit of. Um, Worry that he's going to move into the midfield too, but I think at the moment he's kind of firmly planted in defence. But on top of that, he's a uh, he's a great pressure player too, which also results in a lot of tackles. So scoring history had a 108 average as a junior in the TAC Cup. So he's always had that uh, potential. What I do every year, actually, in, in some of my last a lot of my last picks, I go to the back mm. of the prospectus mm-hmm. and I look at all the averages um, of the juniors and just see who the best fantasy scorers are. And Hunter Clark is a guy I'm actually just filthy not getting my hands on um, last year because he was one I really wanted to pick up so just on that back of that junior scoring uh, who did you pick up early last year was it uh, Michael <sighs> Hibbard yeah he was one yeah, of them that's your he was going to ba- no, bounce back it was, I it was no happening I have no for you <laughs> suck it uh, don't, don't let me don't get me started on my strategy from last year but it actually failed so yeah yeah don't do that same strategy <laughs> this year man that's putrid no, um, anyway don't need to talk about him he's going to be too good for the pod yeah uh, 2G4P hashtag definitely uh, someone who is definitely not good uh, too good for the 
someone who's going to be on the pod a lot, basically, because he's not that good, is Jack Bytel. Now, oh, that's a bit harsh. I was scratching around for my last player. You were like, do Jack Bytel. He's going to be a gun. And I thought, oh, okay, whatever. And then there was a few people on Twitter who were getting a bit jacked up on Bytel. And look, for some reason, there seems to be a lot of hype. And it must be from the salary cut world, which does happen because he's, you know, underpriced and, and, and had been hyped um, last year. Basically, he missed all of last year, had back surgery. He was highly touted uh, as a 17-year-old in 2017 and did average the 105 in the TAC Cup back as a 17-year-old. 2018, injuries started and his numbers dropped to 88 in the TAC Cup as an older player. He's never dominated an under-18 carnival. He's averaged 55 and 45 across the two carnivals he's played in. He's an inside midfielder, but a handballer. And a tackler. So we've got some good and some very, very bad. We do not like handballers. We do like tacklers. But all reports coming out of training are well that he's coming off back surgery all very well. But one, he's played zero senior footy against real men. And he's just not someone I'm willing to take a chance on in 2020. I need some old men. I need some real men stats. Real men experience. Yeah. Yeah. Experience with real men. Look. Sure, he might be good, but I've just, everyone's, you know, not everyone, there's a bit of hype around him, you know, like, and I think it's salary cap hype, which is fine, that that does happen, but for someone in a keeper leg, there's no way I'm going to take some kid who's never played a senior game of football off a season off back surgery and going to be super hype on him, just no, no, no. That whole segment reminded me of that uh, scene from The Simpsons where Homer's trying to buy that cursed crusty doll, and he's like, that's good. That's bad. <laughs> That's good. But the yogurt is also cursed. That's bad. That's what that whole section was. Basically. Anyway, I've landed on bad. bad. I've landed on bad. <laughs> All right. Yeah, look, there is some hype uh, from that, uh, you know, 2017. Um, as a 17-year-old, the score's there. A lot of hype there. It was going to be like a number one draft pick. Then yeah. he got injured, basically. And the injury, injuries, like, injuries really pushed him back down. So Back look, surgery is serious shit, man. Yeah, I know. I know, but there's still some potential there. If he can bounce back, like like worth a late could you stash see him, if you can't. Could you see yourself taking him? Nah. No. Oh, like maybe in like we do rookie drafts, so mm. the guys that you can keep for an extra year or whatever, maybe way down there in the rookie draft, I'd have a look at him. But uh, yeah, nah, not not in my senior list this year. If you're year. 18, averaging 88 in the TAC Cup and 45 in an under 18 carnival, that is just like, nah. Yeah, but Jai Coldwell put up similar numbers and there's talk well, of him still playing. still a fantasy gun yet, is he? Yeah, but I reckon he could turn into one. But anyway, that's what I'd say. Does that uh, wrap up or do I have one more? No, that's it. That's it. Jury's out, but don't take Jack Bartell. Okay, cool. While we're here, guys, before we get into the listener question, let's talk about the membership. Mm-hmm. Um, so... If you want to support the podcast, you like the work we do every week, uh, just consider uh, maybe signing up as a member and just helping us out and uh, helping us grow this podcast. Everything we make goes back into the podcast to make it bigger and better for you listeners. So, yeah, if you if you like what we do, just uh, maybe just consider um, throwing us a bit of support. But up there, if you are a supporter, if you are a member, we've got the State League scores for you. We've got Draft D Fantasy scores. We've got the Breakout Tracker with our mm-hmm. sexy new graph, thanks to uh, Adam out there. Nice. Um, then we've got uh, rankings and the mini episodes that go with each set of rankings coming out every Friday. Yep. Uh, we've got midfielders coming out this week. We've oh, got yeah. forwards coming out the week after mm-hmm. that. We've done our defenders. We've done our rucks. So many resources for you guys. Yep. But since last week, Kay, as we spruiked the gold members group yeah. and we've had an influx of people, like more so gold members that signed up and never joined the group. And now everyone's just kind of, oh, yeah, we've got that. And, and the group has in. gone bananas. There's questions going left, right and centre. There's you know four or five posts every day, big discussion on different mm-hmm. people's lists. Yep. It's a great place. Well, our listeners on that, they're like the diehards. They're the guys that like know as much as us. Like They're the guys that just absolutely live and breathe this stuff. So you ask a question to those guys, you're basically getting the similar type or the same type of analysis you get from this podcast. 
but it's not just for the experienced coaches out there. It's for the if you're yeah, yeah. if you're a brand new coach and you've never played a keeper leg yeah. or a draft leg before, jump on that group, ask the questions that need to be asked. Everyone just wants to help each other out. I'm gonna put it out there. It's the best keeper league specific <laughs> brains trust in the country. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Is it the only one? <laughs> no, don't worry about that. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. So get on board this because it's actually sweet. It's, it's an awesome community as well. And like, you know, it's just good to have a chat on there as well. Yep. Post to teams, get some uh, reviews, who you think you should keep out of this player. Yep. There's lots of polls going on. People yep. adding Zach Dawson as an option, third option to the polls. So Bring him fun. back. Yeah. Josh Boosman. I saw him once. Yeah. So <laughs> some classic fantasy jokes yeah. in there. <laughs> anyway. So each week uh, we like to read out a few gold members. So thank you to the following people who have subscribed to support the podcast uh, we got James Richardson we got Big Cox uh, Andrew Zanker Dave Simpson and James Wilcourt so yeah very well done thanks guys and yeah keep all the questions and the content coming on to that uh, Gold Members Facebook, Facebook group but um, yeah also keep hitting, hitting us up on uh, Twitter and Facebook with questions etc it's uh, it's coming up to crunch time for a few um, you know keeper league and uh, list lodgements etc so yeah, plenty of questions of getting around so um yeah keep the content coming in we love it all right we will get to the questions in a sec i promise mm. but we're just going to get into a, a podcast review because we've actually got a few mm. more that have popped up on the uh, on the apple nice. um, reviews there so nice, nice, we've nice. got one here from dingo boyo so he's one he's someone who's actually uh, quite often on our uh, on our twitter as well getting around us so uh thanks for that dingo boyo but he's written outstanding uh new listener coming from all other fantasy podcasts this one has quickly become one of my favourites quality in-depth analysis of lesser known players the boys speak so damn well Kays you've got a bit of radio experience but I'm, I'm not really sure what I'm doing here but he has low standards must be going okay uh, anyway always now waiting for the next pod to drop and put in my ears keep up the good work lads thumbs up emoji the Thank greatest you. compliment you can get in tech speak damn straight <laughs> alright thanks Dingo Boyo we'll finally move on to the listener questions Finally into the listener questions for this week. Uh, lots come through again. Uh, can't get to them all, but we pick up the ones that uh, we haven't talked about or the players that involve players we haven't talked about already in the podcast and uh, anything unique out there as well. So, Kays, what's the first question? Uh, first one's from at Bagels4. His question is, Gresham staying close to goals or do they use his X factor on the ball? Has said his preseason that he's going to have a good mid-forward split. What are your thoughts on Jade? Yeah, at the end of last season or you know throughout last season, he was used in the midfield quite a bit. I think mm. with the inclusion of Zach Jones and Brad Hill, um, I don't know if he'll get any more midfield time, but I think he should play a similar type role and pretty much exactly what they've stated, a pretty much yeah. a mid-forward split. What do you think? Uh, it's annoying because I reckon he could be a really, really good midfielder alone. But yeah. uh, for St. Kilda and probably in general, I think he's too good a half-forward yeah. flanker kind of uh, He's player. a very dangerous yeah. player. Yeah, oh, exactly. And he's and he's kind of a bit more quality over quantity too. Yeah. So, um, I just don't think we'll ever see the best fantasy game from Jade Gresham. But uh, shit, he's a good player to watch. Yeah, maybe if he gets traded or something like that where he could star uh, a bit more. He's just but too valuable. Like, yeah. You know, it's just like, it's like Toby Green. Like, I'm sure Toby Green would be an absolute jet if he went into the midfield, but he's so valuable up forward for GWS yeah, that that's no, where he plays. So. Good analysis, good comparison. Uh, at Footy Fonzie, uh, how much of an impact will Robertson be to Battle's improvement and output? 
Yeah, it's really hard to tell. Like, there's no guarantees that Robertson's going to remain fit anyway. But look, I said it earlier that there, there's a chance, slight chance that Battle could be used up forward at some stage too. Um, it's it's for me. I can't really make a real assessment. It's one of those wait and see type situations. They're not. I don't know. Like Battle's a lot taller. Robertson's a bit smaller, nuggetier. Um, you know, runs a bit runs a bit more and uses the ball probably a little bit better as well. Um, I don't know. It's hard to tell. I, I think there's a, enough contrast between the two that they could complement each other because uh, you know Battle could take the marks and things like that, and uh, you know he could feed it, and then Robertson could feed off that. What do you reckon, guys? Uh, I don't see Battle's improvement going backwards, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that Robertson might end up coming in and playing a bit more of a role as opposed to what he was doing at his peak a couple of years ago. So, not that people have gone necessarily past him, but I think that, um, you know, the development of Battle and a few other guys back there is more important than Robertson coming in and playing that, you know, his role or his fantasy-friendly role that he did a couple of years ago. So, I'm still pretty keen on Battle going forward and I think Robertson will probably just come in there and compliment him quite nicely. All right, next question from at Straight Breaks. Uh, Luke Dunstan, can he maintain his 2019 output or will he get swamped by the rest of the Saints midfield scorers? I have him, Hannes Sebros, in 33 squad, 27 keeper, 10-man league, delisting deadlines next week Ooh. and not sure he can rather – he'd rather keep a Constable or a Jack Ross. What do you think about uh, Luke Dunstan? Man, it's tough to have to uh, put your deadline in before the start of the uh, Marsh series. Oh, God, yeah. You won't actually see a few players. Yeah, and, and the more I've researched the Saints this week, the more I really want to see what they do as a unit and who's in their best 22 or in their mix or who's around the mark in the Marsh series. So, it's a tough one to say. I think... You know, like I think he's always, I think Luke Dunstan's always going to be a good fantasy scorer when he when he gets a game, but will he be a best twenty two week in week out at St Kilda? You'd, you'd probably think so, but you know, crazy things have happened. Um, you know, with guys like Jack Nunes and Blake Akers out helps him, but at the same time, you know, you get Brad Hill and uh, Zach Jones in there, so they're kind of taking potentially some of that more midfield time that he would have got naturally with those other with those other guys leaving. So for me, I think. It's so hard because I want to see Jack. So I want to see Charlie Constable too in the in the yeah. Marsh series. So like, I think you've got to keep Dunstan yeah, because I'm because Dunstan. because uh, you know you actually know what he can do, and you know he was in their best twenty two at the end of last season. So you yeah. kind of just got to go All right. Well, he's in there. He can score. Roll with that as opposed to taking a flyer on someone like Constable yeah. just being uh, you know. One in the side and then two yeah. going. Constable's going to be a good scorer, yeah. but there's no certainty he's his best 22 um, for the time being as well. It all, all depends also as well, like how long you want to wait before your team's good as well. Like if you're yep. contending next year, you'd want to keep Dunstan. Mm-hmm. You could take a flyer on Constable, but there's no guarantees with him and Jack Ross as well. At least Dunstan, you've got a bit more of an idea of how he's going to go, I think. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right, next question. Uh, it's from Matthew Nitschke. He asks, what are the best rookies at each line? So I'm going to assume he's talking about keeper leagues and not uh, AFL Fantasy Classic cheapos. Um, so he wants to know the best potential um, fantasy scorers at each line. So I'm going to go with, for the defenders, I'm going to go with Will Day or um, I like Trent Rivers as well. Will Day um, had probably the best fantasy scoring output at uh, junior level for those defenders. But I do like the look of Trent Rivers as well. With the mids, that's an easy one. Uh, Matthew Rao or Devin Robertson. Just got to hope Devin Robinson can get a game at some stage. Mm-hmm. Don't know if that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Rucks also very easy. Yes. Um, Luke Jackson was the best fantasy scoring. Especially Ruck. with the breaking news yeah, that uh, 
Braden Proust has gone down for yeah. eight to ten weeks. So yeah. if Max Gorn's at all niggly, man, like he might have to step up and ruck round one. It was funny because we were saying last week, does he any chance of getting a game alongside Gorn? And we said no, and yes. now he's going to get a game. Yeah, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, and then forwards, uh, Connor Butterick uh, or Butterick. I'm still not sure how to say it. I've got to wait for the commentators to say it uh, round one, hopefully. But um, yeah, look, he is one of the better for fantasy scorers from the TAC Cup last year or NAB League, whatever they call it now, mm-hmm. um, playing for the Gold Coast Suns Academy also has knee full form the only difference is he played in midfield in those games and not as a forward but he's listed as a forward now for fantasy so he's one of the better scorers also like Jeremy Sharp as well as a fantasy yep. scorer too so I think those are going to be you know the best potential might not be the best pickups um, in AFL fantasy or this season going forward but I think in long term they're going to be the better fantasy scorers I just want to add in my two Sydney boys and South Australian lads, Will Gould and Dylan Stevens. They have real men form. I think they're going to be good and they're going to play this year, but I don't think they're going to be the best fantasy scorers, but I think they're going to be fine. Dylan Stevens has been likened to Josh Kelly. Yeah, I know. They're, they're going to be good fantasy scorers, but not, how can he not be better the, than a Rolls Royce? Best fantasy scorers out like of this draft. Tesla or something like that? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. I don't know anything about cars. No, neither. I'm not the right person to ask, Kate. But he's a new new model, so and everyone's going electric. So yeah, think he's going to be a so really like a, expensive oh, a Camry Tesla. hybrid. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, that's disrespectful. He's a taxi. I apologise to my co-host Dylan. That's unacceptable behaviour. Next question, right. Tim Davies. I'm in a league where we keep ten players at season's end. He's got nine sorted, but needs to choose between Mills and Ferrini. All right, I prefer Ferrini. I just think he's got the higher ceiling. What do you think? Yeah, I think you have to. It probably depends on who your other nine are and if you need a defender. Uh, I would love, as a Callum Mills owner, that he um, gets a bit more midfield time this year and actually starts improving his scoring output. But if you're only keeping 10, I think you want to keep the best 10. You don't want to be too uh, worried about defenders, forwards, mids. I think yeah. you just keep the, the highest scoring 10 and Fiorini is that guy. Absolutely. With 10 players, you just keep the best possible averages that you can get, I think. Don't worry about even speculatives. Don't worry about potential. Just pick the best. Yes. Uh, next question from Gold Member Andrew Zanka: If Rob Riley O'Brien goes down, who is the handcuff we need to cover him? The most annoying part about this is the two guys that are going to cover him in the ruck mm. don't have ruck status in yeah. fantasy. So yeah. I think the two most likely guys to cover him are uh, Billy Frampton and it's Elliot Himmelberg, isn't it? The yep. Crows. So they're probably the two likely guys to step in. Neither have ruck status. Yeah. So you're going to have to pick those guys up and really hope that they either get ruck status after Riley O'Brien goes down, yeah. but you're going to have to pick up a gap fill in between. The other one is, though, like Kieran Strawn. He's 24, so I think he was picked up as more of a mature age recruit, um, and he'd shown, he showed some good signs last year. So he could be a goer by the end of the season, like if Rob went down, like he probably mm. just needs a bit more experience at the sample level in an AFL system to get to that level, but they might not have a choice eventually as well. It's actually crazy. So, like... Because the um, coaches panel put out that article about who the ultimate footy released there. Yeah. You know, guys who are getting the the extra DPPs for ultimate this year. And their ruckman that they added just didn't make any sense. So, Sam Reid from Sydney got it. Sean McKernan, fair enough. Peter Wright, hardly ever goes in the Gold Coast ruck. Sava Radagalia, yeah, maybe he's a bit of a hybrid. Harry Himmelberg. Yeah. He's forward ruckman. And then they've given it – so, they've taken it away – Fantasy have taken it away from Billy Frampton, yeah. and then Ultimate haven't given it back, even though the Crows have genuinely. He, he's the Crows second, second ruckman. In fairness, like Frampton didn't go anywhere near a ruck contest last season, so that's what you got to go on. But basically, by their standards, any pinch hitter should be a ruck because that's what they're going by. It's like mm-hmm. they've 
Ultimate Footy, I find, has a real kind of history with this where they do things kind of half-assed or they don't really put a lot of research in it yeah. and things like that. Or, you know, for example, two years ago when uh, Justin Westhoff was playing as uh, a second ruck and it came in halfway through the season because uh, one of Ryder went down or I can't remember who it was. Yeah, I think Ryder went down. And he didn't get it all season as that DPP. He got an AFL fantasy, but then he got it the following season when he doesn't play ruck at all. Like, mm. it's just, it happens all the time. It's, it's like they weird. don't look at anything outside of Victoria. I don't really know yeah. how it goes. Well, I had that issue. So, I had basically the exact same issue as um, Riley Bryan has last year with Tim English. So, because yeah. uh, Tom Campbell moved on, the only the second Rutman for Western Bulldogs was Jackson Trengove. Yeah. But he only had back status going into last year. So, yep. you go, well, do you take him on the hope that he actually eventually gets the ruck status added on? Yeah. Or do you have to go and find another back at Rutman? So, I ended up not ever drafting Trengove, but then getting him later from someone else, paying overs, etc. Yeah. And then had to get like Nathan Vardy as my second Ruckman because I knew he was going to play. So, it's like a, re- it's a it's a genuine conundrum. It's really annoying when you don't have a true handcuff. Like yeah. As a, you know, port Handcuffs port. are life. Yeah. yeah. I've had Paddy Ryder for the last few years and it's been like since last, I guess last year, but you know, there was no real backup Ruckman for a long time. So, it was hard. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Next question, Adam Clayton. My league is starting a 28-player keeper league this year. How many kids would you be looking to stash away with your final picks or do you target other kinds of players at this stage? Yeah, look, it depends on um, how many you actually end up keeping at the end of the season. So, I think. set that rule right now. Yeah, yeah. So, if you yeah. haven't set that yet, if you're starting a league and you haven't set how many you keep, get that done. We made that mistake and you pay for a long time mm. if you don't, especially if you don't think about it, you don't consider it, you don't get it right. We did it on the whim of like a vote mid-season and yep. it was silly. Um, so, think about it. Pick that out. Now, if you keep like, you know, a large number, if you keep say 25 of those, definitely stash some kids. You've got some room to stash some kids. Mm -hmm. But um, if you only keep around 15 or so, just don't bother. Pick your best kind of players that you can get because they're the ones that you're most likely going to keep at the end of the season. Try to get 15 solid players. And, you know, if you're getting down to picks 20, 20, like for example, Rowan Marsh would have been taken late in so many drafts last Mm -hmm. year, but he rockets up the list to your keepers to the top top of your keeper pool um, because of, you know, the way he performed last season. And so, yeah. you never know who you're going to pick up later on in the draft that's going to just skyrocket and become so valuable the next season. So, yeah. if you're only keeping around 15 or, you know, less, just pick the best players, I think. Now, I know that you always bang on that someone's going to win it the first year. Yep. So, you can either draft for that way or what I like to do when I'm starting a keeper league fresh is go for that. Those players who are probably four or five years in the system, they're 23 to 26. You're yep. going to get 10 years Ten to five, five to ten years out of all of those players, yep. and you know what they're like. You know their scoring ability. You know their scoring potential. Yep. You're not taking any risks, and you're not taking any risks on guys who are going to retire in the next yep. two to three years. And then you approach the ten year mark, and you still haven't won a flag. So yeah, but you feel good about the strategy <laughs> that you're in. With. Yeah. Oh man, pat yourself on the back. Yeah, feel thanks, good about man. it. <laughs> My strat was good. <laughs> all right, uh, Paul Milne. Does Zach Jones become a defender option at the Saints? Uh, I don't think so. But saying that, he he could. As I said before, that there seems to be a lot of guys in the St Kilda side who are of similar, you know, ability and and can play a few few roles. So I think it's definitely wing time for Zach Jones. I think he's paid his penance in the the back line for um, Sydney over the years, and I think he's going to be released into that midfield wing for the Saints. So um, I don't think so, but one to monitor. Yep, I agree. I don't. I think the way he played last season, he wouldn't be recruited as a defender. They wanted to play, you know, pinching in the midfield, well, yep. adding to their midfield depth, really. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Um, Sam UEK, so he's got the next question. What does he yes, ask? Yes, he says, do you anticipate St Kilda to be more or less fantasy friendly under Ratten compared to Richo? Um, look, it's hard to tell for sure, but I did some uh, number crunching on this, so I actually got real analytical and I worked out 
who scored, which coach was scoring better fantasy-wise. Mm-hmm. All right. So under Richo, Richo averaged uh, 14.85 per week, having yep. up all the players. And under Ratton, the St. Kilda Saints mm-hmm. averaged 15.38 per week. So Ratton. he was better off. The Saints were better off under Ratton in terms of fantasy by 53 points per game. Nice. I think just the eye test as well, though. You saw folks like Seb Ross just start scoring well again yep. still. Hunter Clark. Yeah, players like that, um, they just seem to be better under Ratton. So I think the game plan just from the eye test actually suits Saints a bit better. Good question, um, Sam. Just a little shout out to Sam as well. I think I think Sam's the one that runs the Game Time Decision uh, website, which is a website that uh, I guess it releases like last minute player news and things like that. It's all fantasy related. It's a fantasy news related and it comes out uh, on Twitter and through his website as well so it's a pretty cool concept so nice. check out his website gametimedecision.com.au alright Kays what's the next question and the lucky last question for tonight is from Dale Paul Travers this is a good one Hef so what do you think of a reverse round the opposition coach, get, coach gets to pick your team you get to pick his slash hers but they have to be playing players. If they put a zero on your side, it automatically means 85 points. So it could actually be a good idea for buy rounds or for some other, you know, options. What are your thoughts? There? I like this sort of stuff for like um, like the losers finals. Like mm-hmm. you do these kind of games and things like that. So in our league, we've had, uh, I think I think it was even a regular season game between two cellar dwellers. We've had a tank off. Yes. So a tank it off. didn't mean matter for the whole, nah. they couldn't move. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yep. Yep. So a tank off is where you have to pick your shittest team and put it on the park but you can't have a zero yep. so if you got a zero you add a hundred points to the score so you mm-hmm. actually actually try to pick your bat make a 22 that's the worst and then try to lose yep. so that's a tank off and I find this very very similar and a very um, intriguing prospect so yeah it could be a great buy round game or even yeah the loser consolation finals that sort of stuff or even for dead rubbers it's kind of fun it's a good way for the consolation finals because at least that way you can actually have a wooden spooner like, exactly you know, like- well even if you're trying to decide like a lot of people mm. do that thing like oh and I find it always hard to do this the con- Consolation finals decides the number one draft pick. Mm-hmm. But that means the shittest team in the comp kind of loses out because they're the shittest team for a reason. Yep. But also you don't want tanking in there. So if mm-hmm. you do like the reverse try to like reverse way of winning, I guess, is to actually try to make the shittest team without putting zeros on your on your field. Could be a pretty fun way to go about it. Very good fun. I like it. All right. That wraps up the questions for tonight and that wraps up the show. So I don't know. Anything else you want to say, Kay? We think we've covered uh, everything from Port Adelaide. St. Kilda and Richmond. I think we have the uh, last one we've got is next week. So, yeah. Sydney West Coast and the Bulldogs, and we are done for our previews for this season. And then we're into the Marsh series case. We are. It's actually very exciting. Um, what is it? Next Thursday, I think the first game is. So, the 20th. Correct. So, we're almost a week away. When is the State of Origin game? No idea. Yeah, I think it's, be it's in the middle of the week. So okay. Or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, that'll be coming up too. So, we might but be able to I get could some... not give a shit about that. But well, there might be some fantasy things we could take out of it. Who knows? Not keep a leg relevant, guys. So they're not going to pick, you know, no, they um, might pick some guys boys. that are, you know, that are just good players that aren't fantasy relevant, but that could make that step. You know, someone like... It'll um, be fun to watch, but... Someone I like Titch Edwards last year, you know, similar type thing. Yeah, he's a bloody good player now, yeah, Titch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you never know. There might be something coming out of it. But anyway, um, yeah, hit us up on our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Links are in the description. Also, the membership stuff, all in the description. Yep. Check that out if you want to join up. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. See you guys. Have a good week.